Before we sign Srimad Bhagavatam, we should first offer our respectful obeisances unto the personality of God at Narayana. Unto Nara Narayan Rishi, the supermost human being, unto Mother Saraswati, the goddess of learning, unto Srila Vyasadeva, the author. By regular attendance on classes of Srimad Bhagavatam, by rendering service unto the pure devotee, all that is troublesome to the heart is thus practically destroyed. And loving service unto the glorious Lord is praised with transcendental songs because it was established as an irrevocable fact. Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 6. What's the text number? Okay. Here's your peak. Antar Bahish Cha Lokangs Trin Paryemi Askandita Vrataha Anugrahan Mahavishnur Avighata Gatihi Kwachit Antar Bahis Chalo Kangstrin Pariyam. 
Paryam Yas Kandita Vrata Paryam Yas That Y gets put onto the next word, so it's Paryam Yas Kandita Vrata Paryam Yas Kandita Vrata Anugrahan Mahavishnu Avighata Gati Kwachit Antar Bahishchalo Kangstrin Paryam Yaskandita Vrataha Anugrahan Mahavishnu Avighata Gati Kwachit Antar Bahishchalo Kangstrin Paryam Yaskandita Vrataha Anugrahan Mahavishnu Avighata Gati Kwachit Go ahead and sing Prabhu Antar Bahishchalokangstrin Paryam Yas Kandita Vrataha Anugrahan Mahavishnur Avighata Gati Kwachit Word for word, please repeat. Antaha In the transcendental world Bahi In the material world Cha and look on planets. Trin, trin, trin. Three divisions. Par yemi. Travel. As kandita. Unbroken. Vrataha. Vow. Anugrahat by the causes mercy Mahavishnu of the Mahavishnu Karnadakshai Vishnu Avighata without restriction Gatihi entrance Kwachit at any time Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada Kijai. Please repeat. Since then, by the grace of the Almighty Vishnu, I travel everywhere without restriction, both in the transcendental world and in the three divisions of the material world. 
This is because I am fixed in unbroken devotional service to the Lord. Since then, by the grace of the Almighty Vishnu, I travel everywhere without restriction, both in the transcendental world and in the three divisions of the material world. This is because I am fixed in unbroken devotional service to the Lord. Purport. As stated in the Bhagavad Gita, there are three divisions of the material spheres, namely Urdva, the Urdva Loka, topmost planets, Madhya Loka, midway planets, and Aho Loka, downward planets. Beyond the Urdva Loka planets, that is to say, above the Brahma Loka, are the material coverings of the universes. And above that is the spiritual sky, which is unlimited in expansion, containing unlimited, self-illuminated, Vaikuntha planets inhabited by God Himself along with His associates, who are all eternally liberated living entities. Sri Narad Muni could enter all these planets in both the material and spiritual spheres without restriction, as much as the Almighty Lord is free to move personally in any part of His creation. In the material world, the living beings are influenced by the three material modes of nature, namely goodness, passion, and ignorance. But Sri Narad Muni is transcendental to all these material modes, and thus he can travel everywhere unrestricted. He is a liberated spaceman. The causeless mercy of Lord Vishnu is unparalleled and such mercy is perceived by the devotees only by the grace of the Lord. Therefore, the devotees never fall down, but the materialists, that is, the fruitive workers and the speculative philosophers do fall down, being forced by their respective modes of nature. The rishis, as above mentioned, cannot enter into the transcendental world like Narada. This fact is disclosed in the Narasimha Purana. Rishis like Marichi are authorities in fruitative work and rishis like Sanaka and Sanatan are authorities in philosophical speculations. But Sri Narada Muni is the prime authority for transcendental devotional service of the Lord. All the great authorities in the devotional service of the Lord 
All the great authorities in the devotional service of the Lord follow in the footsteps of Narada Muni in order to in the order of the Narada Bhakti Sutra. And therefore, all the devotees of the Lord are unhesitatingly qualified to enter into the kingdom of God by Kunta. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swamanita Namane Namaste Saraswati Devam Gauravani Pracharine Nirvisesha Shunyavari Paschata Deshatarne Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Garadhar Shibasari Gaura Bhaktivinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Since then, by the grace of the Almighty Vishnu, I travel everywhere without restriction, both in the transcendental world and in the three divisions of the material world. This is because I am fixed in unbroken devotional service of the Lord. Sorry, I'm the default class giver because I don't know who is supposed to show up today, but... Nobody did, so here we go. So, the material universe here is divided into three. The upper, or the Urdva, topmost planets were Brahmaloka, Tapaloka, Janaloka, different I don't know all the names of them, but there's that some of them were all the very super pious yogi devotee entities live. Uh, then the Madhya, we're in the middle. Earth is in the middle. And there's a whole section of planets in the middle, midsection. Then there's lower planets. Uh, Adho Loka. Downward planets. And then, when you go above Brahmaloka, then, then there's the coverings of the universe. There's earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. And each one's ten times bigger than the other. And I don't remember how vast it is exactly off the top of my head. I can't remember how many millions of miles each one is but it's a huge covering and then the Brahma Samhita describes that there's the you enter into the Brahma Jyoti and then there's the Vaikuntha planets there's also in between there when you get up to the top planets there's Lord Shiva's planet and Durga's planet so so many different residences in this universe they're all different residences. Sarvagata in Sanskrit means there's life everywhere. So Narada Muni, being a good qualified devotee, is allowed to travel everywhere, all over. No restrictions. 
There's also a, a description, I can't quote the page or anything like that, but it's in the Brihat Bhagavatamita when Gopakumar reaches the Vaikuntha planets and he sees people coming and going. So he asks where the Vaikuntha residents are going. And one of the residents there said, oh, they're, they're going to preach in the material world. So they're constantly like, Devotees going out to do some service, you know, go, go and <laughs> take off. And so Narad Muni is one of those, as it describes here. Uh, Prophet says, therefore, the devotees are of the Lord unhesitatingly qualified to enter into the kingdom of God, and they're also qualified to preach, especially if they've been asked to preach. How Prabhupada describes how he was asked by the Lord to go and preach. So the. We're in this unit, we're in this planet, we've taken birth here, it has a certain amount of space in it, and according to our material vehicular travel of different source, we've discovered certain limits, uh, you know, how far they can, it can be traveled with, you know, a certain amount of technology, uh, so we're in this planet. It's called Martyrlokam. It's the planet of death. So, according to, if you want to worship, Krishna says, Yanti Deva Brata Devan. If you want to worship some demigod on some higher planet, you can go there. You don't have to do a spend billions of dollars on a spaceship and pretend like you're going to go into outer space and accomplish nothing. But spend a lot of money. Prabhupada said. As if we're interested to find out that there's dust on the moon. Like, oh my gosh, what an accomplishment. There's dust. Right? <laughs> it's so funny, right? Prabhupada was so practical. And they brought back a little dust. And they brought back some rocks. Which were later proved to be not rocks from the moon, but somewhere else. But anyway, that's a different subject matter. So instead of trying to, you know, promote yourself, Ravana tried to build a staircase. Like, what's that song? Stairway to Heaven. Ravana tried that, but it didn't work. He couldn't get there. So there's all kinds of efforts to go here and there in the material world to the higher planets because in the higher planets, their bodies aren't physically gross like ours. And they don't suffer the same pains and stuff that we do. It's more refined sense of material enjoyment in the higher lower higher like where Indraloka and all those places are they're places of enjoyment and Krishna says if you go there then you have to come back down here to earth so it's you know it's like going shopping you can shop here in East Dallas in little Mexico like area here you know or you can go to you know North Dallas or somewhere and the rich where the rich people go shopping and everything's much more fancy and expensive and you know well or you can go to Las Vegas and enjoy the palatial hotels and gambling facilities they have there it's all like super beautiful they spend billions of dollars on it so you can go you know to the higher planets and there's much more you know, polished material happiness. It's like inconceivable to us because we're here on the earth, which isn't very nice. Um, 
So Narada Muni, being transcendental to all these, he can go to any one of these planets, and he goes there while he's singing the holy names, Radhika Raman, playing his Veena. Uh, here's a point. That the causeless mercy of Lord Vishnu is unparalleled. And such mercy is perceived by the devotees only by the grace of the Lord. So Narada Muni was blessed to travel and preach and go anywhere. And by the mercy of the Lord, he perceived the mercy of the Lord and got the mercy of the Lord and is completely liberated. He left his body and his spiritual body was fully awakened and now he doesn't change bodies anymore. He just travels around glorifying the Lord, enjoying the nectar of the holy names and the pastimes of the Lord and preaching the glories of the Lord. Uh, it's described that the other rishis are expert in other things. Those rishis that were mentioned yesterday, Marichi, Angir, and Atri, they're mentioned that here the different rishis uh, or authorities and fruitative work and uh, speculation, philosophical speculation. So Krishna supplies, what, the Lord Vishnu supplies what we need in this material world. We came here to try to enjoy separately from Him. So He provides knowledge at least connected to Him, how to perform fruitative activities properly, how to disentangle oneself, all these different things. These great sages teach all these different things. Uh, Narada Muni is one of the twelve devotional service authorities. Uh, there's twelve different ones. I can't remember the verse right off the top of my head, but Narada Muni, Bhishma Dev, Prahlad Maharaj, Bali Maharaj, Vyasadev, Sukadev, uh, who? Who? Yamaraj, the four Kumaras, like that. So there's different devotional authorities. Srila Prabhupada often quoted that verse. I should have that memorized, but I don't have that verse memorized. No, the one with the names. But also, that's a different verse. Mahajano. Yenikata Sapanta. The other verse is the Narada, Shambhu. Lord Shiva is one of the authorities. Lord Brahma is the other authority. Uh, I can't remember which how the verse starts. But so there's the twelve devotional authorities, and they're all they all preach here in the Bhagavatam. When you read the Bhagavatam, you'll find all of their preaching here in the Bhagavatam. They all are included as teachers giving instruction on devotional service here in the Bhagavatam. Because the Bhagavatam is all based on pure devotional service. It's not about fruitative activities or mental speculation. It's the pure devotional scripture that 
is meant to help us transcend the material world. Especially now, it's so important. The Srimad Bhagavatam is most important because there aren't really, except for a little bit maybe in India, there's not really very much information about how to do things according to the Vedic lifestyle. Like, you know, we're brought up here in America. There's no Vedic anything here. There's, you know, some rules and regulations and there's some piety from Christianity having some influence. But in general, there's not much of any kind of higher guidance of how to act properly. It's like, you know, the Ten Commandments are there, but people don't really... They think that, you know, it's not really even important to follow those rules because Jesus already did everything, so we wouldn't have to do anything. That's their philosophy, right? Jesus fulfilled the commandments, therefore I don't have to do anything. So you see priests with their congregations going to gambling casinos and enjoying whatever that kind of thing is. Enjoying <laughs> gambling. I saw, I saw videos of priests with their congregations pulling into the gambling casinos. It's sinful activity. Going to Sin City, you know, Las Vegas. And those guys are going there and gambling and stuff, enjoying the shows or whatever. So there's not much transcendental. So Prabhupada wrote these, translated these books so that there would be an authority. And he gave the instruction that these books are meant for the next 10,000 years to give guidance to human society. So here, <clears throat> Narad Muni is giving the key to success we have so many things that are considered success. But here is his success. Uh, Since then, by the grace of the Almighty Vishnu, I travel everywhere without restriction, both in the transcendental world and the three divisions of the material world. This is because, this is the key, I am fixed in unbroken devotional service of the Lord. So that's when we're qualified to get out of the material world and to revitalize our our spiritual bodies is by purifying our hearts through the process of devotional service to the point where our love for Krishna, for Lord Vishnu, for Lord Ram, whoever our worshipable deity is, <clears throat> is so awakened that our heart is no longer filled with the horrible qualities of the material world, lust, anger, and greed, which Krishna describes are the three gates to hell. Lust, anger, and greed. So, Narada Muni's heart is totally filled with the glories of the Lord. Srila Prabhupada and the pure devotees' hearts are all filled with the glories of the Lord, with the holy names of the Lord. Lord Chaitanya was traveling, of course, he's displayed the highest degrees of love of Godhead, being in the mood of Srimati Radharani. He was traveling around, roaring, Krishna, 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 
Krishna, Krishna, Krishna, hey. And the whole beautiful song is roaring like a mad lion as he's traveling and everybody who sees him because of his pure love becomes totally purified and absorbed in the love of Godhead themselves. They became qualified like Narada Muni just from Lord Chaitanya looking at him and embracing him. And then whoever they looked at and embraced because they were empowered because there was no longer lust, anger or greed in their hearts. Their hearts were purified with love for the Lord. So because of that deep, pure, transcendental love, and they're empowered by the Lord to give that love to whoever they met, whoever they wanted to. The Lord gives the power to the pure devotees to bless whoever they feel is ready for the mercy. So Prabhupada did that. Prabhupada traveled and people would see Prabhupada and faint and cry and, you know, so many times. When Prabhupada went to the Detroit airport back when the, before the Fisher Mansion, when Prabhupada was coming up the escalator to go into the little lounge, the little like, you know, the specialty lounge there for VIPs and stuff. So all the devotees were going there to meet him. Prabhupada came up the escalator and he was glowing so brightly that all the devotees like fell down and started crying, except for a few who were watching. And as they watched, Prabhupada took the escalator, right? And the floors like right here, and the seats back here. But Prabhupada didn't do that. He took the escalator and kept floating, and he floated down on top of the seat. He was also flying like Nard Muni. He didn't have to touch the ground. He could transport himself through the air like he did, you know, just because he wasn't part of, he's not part of the modes of material nature. He's unfixed, fixed in unbroken devotion to the Lord. Therefore, Prabhupada could go anywhere and not have jet lag. Like everybody else, we're all like, oh no, it's a different time zone. We're like, sick for weeks from the jet lag, you know, it takes weeks to get over it. And he never even felt that. Of course, traveling is tiring, but he never felt that jet lag or anything like that. He was always fresh, on schedule, up for, you know, his translating and giving class and darshan and inspiring the devotees. So Srila Prabhupada, taught by his example... You'll see if you watch the different wonderful compilations of Prabhupada's life when he was, after he came to the West that have been taken by different devotees, that he was really absorbed in preaching and chanting bhajans and giving classes and translating and cooking and, you know, preaching to new people he was totally absorbed 24 hours a day to the point where the devotees could not, obviously couldn't keep up with him. And they would they would kind of whine a little bit because Prabhupada would only rest from like 10 to 12 and everybody else had to sleep. And Prabhupada was, why, you know, enthusing them, why you have to sleep so much? And they were like, Prabhupada, we can't do it. We, you're too transcendental, not too, but you're transcendental. 
And, uh, but Prabhupada pushed everybody, get up from Mangalartik. Get up from Mangalartik. Get up from Mangalartik everywhere he went. He forced the devotees. They become his disciples, so it was his duty to train them properly and correct them. And he very forcefully sometimes would get on their case if they slept in and make sure they didn't do that again and got up the next day from Mangalarti no matter what time they went to sleep. He was really pushing that because we're deeply absorbed in the mode of ignorance and the mode of passion. And, you know, some of us may have some taint of the mode of goodness. But here in the West, not much. It's mainly the mode of ignorance and the mode of passion. Mode of passion, predominantly probably. But a huge amount of mode of ignorance. So those modes of nature prohibit us from engaging in the devotional service of the Lord. They stop us from being absorbed in the devotional service of the Lord. Our attachment to the to lust and to the qualities of the modes of material nature, the enjoyment, so-called enjoyment, in the mode of ignorance and the mode of passion, prevent us from being absorbed in the devotional service of the Lord. So... In the material world, the living beings are influenced by the three modes of material nature, namely goodness, passion, and ignorance. But Narada, but Sri Narada Muni is transcendental to all these material modes, and thus he can travel everywhere unrestricted. So means we're very restricted. Our lives are so restricted that we're suffering from that because we're absorbed in the mode of passion and the mode of ignorance. Those modes bind the living entity and force us to act in ways that are karmically reactive and reactive in those modes and keep us absorbed in those modes. We move on from one material mode of nature activity to the next. And our minds are subdued by those modes, and so we can't liberate our minds and our hearts from the modes of material nature, and we just continue to suffer birth after birth because of our absorption in the modes of material nature. Karanam gunasangasha, karanam gunasangasha sarasa joni janmasu, the living entities by association with the modes of material nature travel life after life in the 8,400,000 different species. The modes of material nature are three, but if you mix them up, three times three becomes nine. Nine times nine becomes 81. And the, and the math goes on until you get to 8,400,000 different varieties of the modes of material nature and their subtleties. Even in the human form of life, we're not, just because we have two legs doesn't mean we're in the mode of goodness. We can be two-legged animals very, quite competently uh, absorbed in animal consciousness. 
you know, Dui Padapashu, it's called in Sanskrit, two-legged animals. So we're not necessarily advanced just because we have two legs. But there are advanced human births in the uh, Krishna book, in the Srimad Bhagavatam. There's a beautiful pastime where Krishna is called the Ranchor. And what happened was Jarasandha had attacked Mathura like 17 times before. And he was attacking for the 18th time. And Krishna had killed all 17 of his armies, the previous armies. And then he, and then he wanted to attack again, so he brought his armies. But then there was another uh, uh, kind of a, from a, um, a Malecha Yavana culture, Kaliyavana. He came because he heard about how wealthy and how wonderful Mathura was because of the presence of the Lord. So he decided to attack at the same time that Jarasandha was attacking. So Krishna didn't really want to kill Kaliyavana by, you know, he didn't want to mess with this person because he was an uncultured person. So Krishna just took off through the battle. He left Mathura. He took off on foot. No chariot, no weapons. Of course, he was in his forearm form, so maybe he had some weapons. But he was just taking through, I can't remember exactly, he was taking off and he walked through Kaliavana's army. And Kaliavana was like, everybody's bewildered. We're... <laughs> Krishna's walking through the army. And Kaliyavana starts to chase him down to try and fight with him, but he can't catch Krishna. Krishna's always like way ahead of him. Through the modes of material nature and the mode of ignorance that Kaliyavana was in and the mode of passion, he couldn't come near Krishna. And Krishna didn't want to kill him personally. So Krishna led him into this cave. And sometime afterwards when Kaliyavana finally caught up and made it to the cave he sees this person laying down in the cave he thinks it's Krishna resting so he goes over and kicks him really hard it wasn't Krishna it was a great devotee of Krishna named Muchakunda who had been sleeping in the cave because he had been fighting on behalf of the demigods for many thousands and thousands of years and when it was finally over he begged I think it was Kartikeya I'm not sure I think I heard that once anyway I forget it's in, maybe it's in there somewhere that you know I want a blessing that I can sleep if anybody wakes me up untimely I'll burn them up to ashes with my glance <laughs> he was really tired <laughs> He needed a, he needed a break, so he's in his cave sleeping <clears throat> for a long time, and Krishna knew that, <clears throat> so he went in and hid. While Kaliyavana went in and kicked Muchakunda, Muchakunda angrily woke up to this person kicking him, which is totally disrespectful, and he opened his eyes and burnt Kaliyavana to ashes, and then Krishna. Then he noticed Krishna standing there. Krishna came out from around the somewhere in the cave there, and and he 
started to address Krishna, he could see that Krishna was somebody special. He didn't know exactly know who he was. It's a, offered all these beautiful prayers, and Krishna spoke with him and told him, because when Muchakunda, he spoke to Muchakunda, Muchakunda made prayers and told him that he was, you know, he wasn't attached to anything in the material world. He just wanted to be absorbed and in thinking of the Lord. And so the Lord was like, oh, I'm surprised that you're completely freed from material attachment and that your mind is so absorbed in devotional service. And Muchakunda's body was from previous yugas, so it was really big. Uh, so Krishna said, in your next birth, you'll take birth as a qualified Vaishnava. And Prabhupada explains there that a, taking birth in a Vaishnava family, like Krishna's describing to Muchakunda, means a person who's a preacher of Krishna consciousness, because that's the topmost position as a Vaishnava. Vaishnavas are preachers. So he described to Muchakunda that he would be able to take birth in that wonderful situation and become a preacher and help liberate so many living entities by his preaching. And Muchakunda went outside and saw that everybody was already, the, the trees were really tiny and the people looked like pygmies. And he could understand it was Kali Yuga. It was the end of Dwarpa Yuga, right? So I wonder how big the people were. But to him, there were pygmies. And everything was dwarfed. But the point I was making was is that he was transcendental. He was absorbed in the devotion. So Krishna gave him a civilized, the highest birth is the birth of devotees. That's the highest birth. And then from there, one continues to be absorbed in devotional service and continues preaching and helps liberate so many conditioned souls. So that's the civilized, that's the most, that's the topmost first class human beings. We are, speaking for myself, we come from America and Prabhupada said we're maleches. <clears throat> and he compared us to dogs and cats. And when Narada Muni came to visit Prabhupada, he was laughing at how the animals were dancing in Kirtan. So we're considered to be like animals on this planet, the higher civilized, the Vaishnavas, on to come to earth to preach, and they see, and, they, and that was... You know, we're in the modes of ignorance and passion. So we're not even at the human level, practically. So Prabhupada was trying to elevate us by... That's why he emphasized that we should have really good prashadam. He made that point so clear so many times. He said, you all have come because of prashadam. And he would enthuse the devotees to encourage the devotees to cook really good prashadam so that we could become attached to the Lord through the tongue. Atakshi Krishna Namadi Nabavid is that the process of devotional service begins with the tongue. Chanting Hare Krishna, describing the glories of the Lord. 
facing the Tulsi leaves offered at the lotus feet of the Lord with the sandalwood paste. I wonder who has those from yesterday. Kalachenji's, uh, the beautiful Tulsi leaves with sandalwood paste. If anybody has any, we would love to have some so we can get purified. And we take the Mahaprasadam of the Lord. The Lord is, the, the devotees are cooked. They're cooking in devotion, cooking for the pleasure of the Lord. And then we get to take the remnants of Krishna's food, which are transcendental. So we daily hear Srimad Bhagavatam, take prasadam, chant the holy names, and gradually our hearts become purified. Because we've been here a long time. We've been conditioned a long time. So, some people have more pious births. Bharati Bhumi in, in the land of India, Prabhupada said, people are naturally Krishna conscious. And because they're brought up and they know Krishna's God, they know they're not their bodies. They know Ram or Krishna or Vishnu's God. So they're, they're much more piety. They're in a more pious, opportune, a lot of them. Some of them aren't, but a lot of them are. They're, there's cultured devotional families there where there's millions of devotees of Krishna and Gujarat and different places in South India. They worship Lord Vishnu and in the north they worship, you know, Krishna, Vrindavan. So we take these practices every day and gradually scrub the heart, Chaitodarpana Marjanam. Because we want to gradually be able to fill our hearts too with, with Krishna. But in the lower stages of the modes of material nature, our hearts aren't full of Krishna. They're full of lust, anger, and greed. And desire. That's the lust. We desire. We want some money. We want a big house. We want a Mercedes at least. Maybe a Bentley or a Rolls Royce or a BMW. Nothing less. Right? Got to have the best car because it looks cool when you're driving in it. Got to have a big house. Got to have a beautiful family. Got to have all kinds of opulent stuff. So we have all these different desires. But gradually, if even in that position, when we hear and chant nicely, even if we're rich, if we take to the process of devotional service, gradually we'll, our hearts will become purified of those desires also. The higher modes, those higher passionate desires, and then the lower modes, people who are addicted to intoxication and sleep and different kinds of madness because of that, even they become purified. The devotional service is so powerful that we can even get purified from that if we stick to devotional service. And Prabhupada mentions here, Vrata. Vrata means vow. So, so Narada Muni's fixed in his vow of pure devotional service. So we have to come to the point where we also make a vow. That's what initiation means. We take initiation, we take a vow. Now, 
I'm going to try to be absorbed and be absorbed in devotional service. But for starters, we'll follow the four regulative principles and chant Hare Krishna 16 rounds on our beads. Prabhupada said, if we can't follow, then we're just animals. One time, several times he said that. He was like, yeah, if you can't follow a promise that you make, that means you're not even human. So, we're struggling with that also. It's difficult to chant Hare Krishna in this age and to be absorbed in the devotional service. And we fall down and have to pick ourselves back up and fall down and pick ourselves back up and fall down and pick ourselves back up until we finally get purified enough and determined enough to make a vow to be absorbed in devotional service, to actually make a real... We're supposed to do that at initiation, but sometimes that's too advanced for the condition, for the fallen condition of the situation here in Kali Yuga in the West and different places. But, Prabhupada said, Lord Nityananda's mercy is unlimited. Even the devotees who weren't following and who were having problems, as long as they didn't become offensive, Prabhupada never rejected them. If they became mayavadis and really offensive, then Prabhupada would reject them. Very few. But he mentioned that as long as they don't become offensive, and then somebody even criticized, they were talking about the devotees, about how fallen they become. Prabhupada's talking about how fallen the devotees have become. No, not Prabhupada, somebody else. Prabhupada said, no, not so many are eating meat. He kind of, it sounded like he kind of considered that to be like the, uh, where you fell off the wagon, so to speak. <clears throat> that you disregard the lives of the animals and start eating them again. So, anyway, any questions or comments? didn't say that. It said they're authorities in philosophical speculations. But they have become purified. When you read later on in the Bhagavatam, they come to the Vaikuntha region, they meet Jai and Vijay. So they traveled to, and they're all over the Bhagavatam. They were there in Krishna's pastimes. They came with the sages they uh, are very famous. They're also transcendental travelers like that. But here it's described that they're the authorities on philosophical speculation. But when they went to Vaikuntha, they smelled the beautiful Tulsi leaves and sandalwood of the, that was on the lotus feet of the Lord, and that attracted them to become devotees. What was the question? They have their own sampradaya. So they're, they're absorbed in the devotional service, but they're, one of their service, their services, you know what I mean? They're the authorities on jnana. 
on philosophical speculation. And authority means also that jnana yoga is a path of enlightenment. Right? Jnana by itself, philosophical speculation, can help one come to understand Bahonam Janmanam Mante Gyanavamam Prapadyante Vasudeva Sarvamiti Samahatma Sadulava 719 Bhagavad Gita. After many, many births, one comes to understand that Vasudeva is everything. So that verse is for the Gyanis. So the Kumaras are helping people come to understand through Gyana how to connect it to Bhakti so that it actually, so that you can make progress in Gyana Yoga, Gyana in speculation. Speculation can be connected to the authority of understanding the Supreme Lord. Right? Because it's natural for people to wonder about everything. Right? What's this? What's that? And then when they come in contact with the devotee, then they understand, oh, now here's Krishna. He's God. So then... We start to pursue that understanding through their knowledge and learning who God is, what are, what are His glories. Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita. So the Kumaras are famous as being devotional authorities. They're the, one of the twelve gurus there in the universe, the Acharyas, the gurus of the universe. And they have their own sampradaya, which is devotional I don't know all the details about <clears throat> their philosophy per se. I don't actually know what is the presentation of their sampradaya. I'm not. I'm not sure what that is. So I, I'm sorry. I can't answer that exact directly. But they, uh, the Kumara sampradaya. But they, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. The, the Imbarka Sampradaya. Sixth. Does it mention the names of the twelve? So what is the first? How's the Sanskrit go? Who's the first name? Swayambhu, Narada, Shambhu, Kumaro, Kapilo, Manu. You can look a couple of verses ahead. It'll say who's speaking. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's Pedura also, right? So it must, maybe it's him. Yeah, so that's maybe that's him speaking. <clears throat> He's Yamaraj. Vidura. Thank you for that. Um, there's a lot of very powerful saintly authorities when you read the Bhagavatam later on when they all come. To hear the Bhagavatam is a description of all the rishis and all the sages and who they are and stuff. A lot of very powerful personalities, inconceivable to us. 
their devotional qualities and their spiritual potencies and their material potencies. They have so much power, these rishis. They can also, what's his name, Vishwamitra? He was the he was there in Ram's pastimes. I think it was Vishwamitra who didn't like how Brahma created a few things, so he decided to create his own planet and he recreated humans. And they said, "Wait, you can't do this. You're not authorized. Just because you think you can do better." So. But they gave him the benediction that what he did create, that the humans he did create, there would be a benefit to the human society. And those turned into coconut. Those, those, his, his creative potency to recreate humans became coconuts, which are like the most beneficial fruit for humans, right? You ever heard that? Yeah. They didn't let him maintain his own creation he was like doing a creation within Brahma's creation they were like nah sorry you're not authorized shut it down <laughs> well they did give him you know so he he created coconuts because there's a nose and two eyes on coconuts you know so they won't fall on people's heads <laughs> any other questions was that okay? I mean, I didn't know what to exactly say about the Kumaras because they're also, there we go, they're the universal authorities. What do I know? On devotional service, I can just try to remember what I've heard. But, yeah, they're great. And they, they, they just the fact that they decided to keep themselves as young boys, I forget what their age is, really young right five so they're they're never agitated by sex desire because they're not even half age of when you reach puberty so they were like nah we don't want to because Brahma asked them to become progenitors to populate the universe because that's a lot of the persons in the beginning of the, of the creation Brahma is engaging them in creating the 8,400,000 species and populating the universe. And he asked them, they're like, thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> we don't want to go through that. <laughs> All that headache. So they just remain young boys, celibates. <laughs> no thank you. So Brahma... I forget what happened. I have to read it again. I can't remember. It's been a long time. But he got he got a little angry with them. But uh, anyway, that's all here in the Bhagavatam. Also, any other questions? One more. Manaji must have some other question. No. Nico. Okay, we're late for Prashadam already. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Please forgive any offenses I committed for not preparing for this it was just I'm a stand in for whoever was supposed to be here giving class Hare Krishna Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Shri Shri Radha Kala Chanji Narada Muni Prabhu Ki Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai